Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the emergency medicine residents and faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey there, EM Guidewire crew. This episode is our first in collaboration with our friends and colleagues over at Emergency Medical Minute. Emergency Medical Minute is a free and open access medical education podcast based out of Denver, Colorado. It's focused on providing real, raw, and relevant emergency medicine pearls. This episode supplements Emergency Medical Minute's recent case presentation of SVC syndrome. Please keep a lookout for an upcoming interview with our very own Dr. Vivek Tyel on Emergency Medical Minute's spinoff series, Unfiltered. Big thanks to Emergency Medical Minute for their collaboration on this project, and please check out more of their work at emergencymedicalminute.com. Now, let's dive in. Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the Emergency Medicine Residents here at Carolina's Medical Center in North Carolina. My name is Dr. Wilson. I'm one of the second years. And I am Dr. Barlock, one of the first years. This week is brought to you by SVC Syndrome, the only thing that makes you flush more than that special someone. This week, we are collaborating with our friends at Emergency Medical Minute to provide you with an in-depth discussion on a rare but crucially important diagnosis, superior vena cava syndrome. For interesting case presentation and more pearls on a slew of other emergency medicine cases, check out emergencymedicalminute.com. Now, let's dive in. So, Dr. Wilson, what is SVC syndrome and what is important to understand about it? So, SVC syndrome is really any condition that leads to obstruction of blood flow through the SVC. So, SVC syndrome, while rare, is its own entity, but is also a symptom of other disease processes. So think of your anatomy. You have your lungs, your lymph nodes, and your mediastinum are all nearby, and any pathology in these structures can compress your SVC. This also means that any indwelling catheters and devices like pacemakers and central lines can serve as a nidus for thrombosis. This is becoming increasingly more common and now accounts for about 20 to 40 percent of the cases of SVC syndrome. As the SVC is compressed, collateral veins form alternative pathways to return blood back to the right atrium, which in subacute cases can cause dilation over several weeks. As a result, the upper body's venous pressure increases and produces the characteristic symptoms and signs that we see in SVC syndrome. One thing I think is worth pointing out is that tumors can actually present rapidly rather than insidiously. I always kind of think of cancer as a more subacute and chronic process, but Patients with malignant disease may develop symptoms of SVC syndrome rather quickly because rapid tumor growth does not allow time for the collateral flow to develop. So sudden onset upper body venous congestion can certainly be due to a tumor. But like you mentioned, if there's an indwelling catheter or something, you got to keep thrombosis on the differential. Exactly. Now, one last point about the pathophysiology that I want to mention is that the cardiac output may be diminished by a drop in preload, which transiently can occur by an acute SVC obstruction within a few hours. Blood return, though, usually is established by increased venous pressure and collaterals in a more subacute process. So if there is hemodynamic compromise, this often is a result from a mass effect on the heart rather than true isolated SVC compression. Think more about, like, attention physiology. Gotcha. So SVC syndrome is simply obstructed flow through the SVC, usually by a tumor but also indwelling devices, 
And if the patient is hemodynamically compromised, then the heart itself is being compressed too. That's correct in most cases. So if the SVC is compressed and there is upper body venous congestion, you would present with facial, neck, and chest swelling, which are classic and look like dilated neck veins and prominent venous pattern on the chest, facial edema, and a plethoric appearance, and they're visually striking and can certainly cue you into the diagnosis. What's more important are really the patient's symptoms. I like to think of these symptoms in terms of different groups. These patients can complain of congested symptoms like swelling of the face and neck, as you mentioned, as well as some head fullness. And when they come into the emergency department, they can have somewhat subacute symptoms like this, but we're always going to be worried in the emergency department about more acute symptoms. And these are going to be your cardiopulmonary symptoms and neurologic symptoms. Your cardiopulmonary symptoms are fortunately less common, but are extremely important to identify as they can be life-threatening. These patients can have chest pain, dyspnea, stridor, some cough, hoarseness, and even dysphagia. These symptoms typically occur because the venous congestion causes edema of the airway and the structures in your throat. Also, many of these patients have corresponding malignant effusions from the tumors that they have. So if there's hemodynamic compromise like syncope or hypotension or renal insufficiency, I need to think of tension physiology like pericardial effusion and tamponade. So pull out that ultrasound, right? Absolutely. And from a neurologic side of things, the concern is that the upper venous congestion can lead to things like cerebral edema, herniation, and even death. These symptoms include headache, confusion, an obtendent patient, or visual and auditory disturbances. So I looked into this and I found out there's actually a grading system that scores SVC syndrome from zero to five, which we can attach the link in the show notes. But Basically, if there is confusion, if they're obtunded, if there's strider or significant hemodynamic compromise, like you mentioned, that syncope or hypotension, this is considered life-threatening SVC syndrome. And I think that's probably the the take-home point that I got from it. Yep, I think that's totally correct. So how do you work up a patient with SVC syndrome? Like most patients in medicine, it depends. For these patients, it depends on how severe their SVC syndrome is. If these patients have symptoms concerning for cardiopulmonary or neurologic symptoms, it's the classic emergency medicine ABCs. Airway stabilization, breathing, and circulatory support. If you have an extremely high clinical suspicion of SVC syndrome, it would be reasonable to emergently consult CT or vascular surgery while you're waiting to get your CT scans. Following the initial stabilization, these patients require immediate intervention, whether that's endovascular stenting or initiation of thrombolytics to decrease the risk of sudden respiratory failure and death. This may even require emergent transfer to a facility with appropriate endovascular resources if you're out in the community. Wow. So basically, if it's life-threatening SVC, then it's ABCs and get your surgeon. Exactly. And if your patient is stable, you have some time. You can do a little bit more of a workup, confirm that diagnosis. These patients should get a CBC, a CMP, coags, and a chest x-ray to start. I see. And your labs could support the underlying diagnosis of malignancy, showing anemia, thrombocytopenia, leukopenia, or even hypercalcemia, as well as coagulopathy and kind of assess their bleeding risk. Correct. And that chest x-ray may show you a widened mediastinum or right hilar masses, as well as potentially pleural effusions in cases with malignancies. 
And if these patients have indwelling catheters on your chest x-ray, that can also help you to show the positioning and potentially increase your concern for thrombosis as a cause. I see. And like you mentioned, 20 to 40% of SBC syndrome are due to thrombosis, and those catheters are a risk factor for that. Right. And most of these patients will need a contrast-enhanced CT or MRI to determine their disposition. If you have no malignant obstructions and the patients have extremely mild symptoms, they can be observed in the emergency department. However, if there's an obstruction, these patients probably need to get admitted and have hematology and oncology see them because their treatment and potentially anticoagulation is going to be based on a tissue biopsy and what kind of cancer they have. That's incredibly helpful. Thanks. So let's see if I can summarize all this. So in short, SVC syndrome is compression of the superior vena cava, commonly by a tumor, but also by indwelling catheter thrombosis and whatnot. These patients can present with a classic plethoric appearance, but if they have cardiopulmonary symptoms like syncope, dyspnea, or stridor, as well as neurologic symptoms like confusion or if they're obtunded, these are the patients that are sick and need emergent stabilization and a surgical consult. Stable patients should get basic labs, coags, chest x-ray, followed by contrast-enhanced chest CT or MRI to determine if there's an obstruction or not. If so, admit, consult Hemonc. Perfect. I think that is a fantastic summary. Well, thanks for listening to us here at the J. Lee Garvey Studio at the Carolinas Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Please check out our other podcasts and imaging series. And again, if you want to hear a cool case of SVC syndrome and many other useful pearls on emergent cases, check out our friends at emergencymedicalminute.com. Sweet. We did it. We're out. We're out. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go. Be awesome today. Seems you out. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple. Sometimes you start. don't get it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you're like, this is a terrible idea. All right. All right. <clears throat>